learn, I guess, in Russian controversy. Um, and a lot of it is predicated on rules of diktuk and application of the So I'd like to use that as a springboard to discuss what is diktuk, where does it come from, how important is it to Atvilis or not, and, uh, and go, go, go from there. Because a lot of it is built on the, on the assumption, so to speak, that, that if there's a rule of diktuk that the is in violation of, that's a big problem. So let, let's start from the beginning. So, spoiler alert, there's no Gemara, Masechus Diktuk, there's no Daf and Shas, that's Hilchus Diktuk, there's no Shulchan Aruch, that's Hilchus Diktuk, there's no Rambam, that's Hilchus Diktuk, so it's a little bit more out there than that. That's just for starters. So now, let's start from the beginning. There's a, there's a, a few Gemaras that all the Madak can point to as like the kernels of, the, of, of Diktuk. And that's as follows. There's a Gemara for starters in Kedushan on the Flamid that says, Lama Nikurishainim Seifrim. Why were the earlier generations of, of uh, Amiram called Seifrim? Because they were Mayna Kal They would count every Ois Shabbatari. And they told us, Vav de Gichain is the Emtus Shabbatari, meaning out of all the 300 and something thousand odd Oisis that are in the Torah, they knew exactly how many, where was the beginning, where was the end, what belonged in each Parsha. So then the Gemara continues, and the Gemara says, But we. We don't know exactly all the ICS anymore. We lost that, that knowledge that the Rishonim had that they were Mayna Kalais Vaisha Okay, that's a Gemara and Kedushan that talks about them being Mayna every ice in the Torah. Now, if you know every ice in the Torah, that's going to be very helpful to know exactly how many ices are in each word, how to spell each word, and, 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 and more than that. So now, there's another Gemara, there's a Gemara Nadarim. And I want to read that Gemara for you. The Gemara Nadarim says as follows The Gemara says, um, it says as follows. The Amr of Ikabar of an Amr of Hanan Alamarav. It says they read from the Sefatera Salikim Mephorish, Bishum Sachal, the Yavinu Bemikra, the Yikro, the Sefatera Salikim. So the Gemara Darshans, the Yikro, the Sefatera Salikim, Zemikra. That means they read the Psukim. Mephorish, Zetargum. That means they knew the Targum. Bishum Sachal, Elo Absukim. That means they understood where to break up the Psukim, the Pisak Absukim. The Staff of Pasik over here, not over there, how to end the Pasik. By Yavinu Bemikra. That's how to split up the truck. What type of truck to put on every letter? That's the Messiris. Now, so this Gemara Nadarim, the Gemara is telling us that it's a Halakhul Meshmissinai. From Halakhul Meshmissinai, they understood the Mikra. They knew Pashat what the words were. They also knew the Psukim, where to stop each Pasik. And then they knew something either called, uh, either called, uh, the, the, either um, Pisuk Taimim or Hamasiris. There's two, two versions in the draft. Either piece of time or Hamasiris. A piece of time means the truck that we have on top of the cemetery. We know what that is. And the Messiris is something similar. The Messiris, Pashtus, is, is the whole framework of the cemetery. What's a psucha? What's a stuma? Meaning, we know in the cemetery there's parshias that are written, psuchas and parshias that are written stumas. Now, a uh, psucha is where the parsha begins at the beginning of a line. The, ad, the other one ends a few, at the middle of a line, there's a, a break, sometimes a few lines even of a break. And then a psucha, the parasha starts a brand new one. A stuma is when the ending ends in the beginning of a line and the next one starts after a break of minimum seven letters, starts the next parasha. That's a parasha stuma. So now there are parasha stumas, there are psuchas, there are words that are creating siv, there are malays and chaser. There's a lot of different uh, nuanced detail that goes into the way Sefer is written the way we have it today. So that's all my halachal mishim The Gemara Dharma is saying that all comes from halachal mishim Now, the nikud, the way we have it, like a, a kametz, pasach, shva, all those nikudis, are not mentioned in this Gemara, but the Goyen Kaidua says in a few places that truck is the correspondent of Nikud. 
Someone who really understands how to be, how the trough of a Pasuk is supposed to be laid down will understand he could be menaked p'sub himself. I showed, I showed you last week, Yaakov Kamenetsky takes certain parts of tefillah and based on how he estimates the trough would have been, he adds nikud. I mean, he reverse engineers it to show you how nikud and trough go together. So now, this Gemara talks about the Maseris of the Sefer Torah. How the Sefer Torah, the way we have it today, is, is mihalach on Mishim Sinai. Now, the honest truth is, that it's a, it's, a, it's a marvelous thing that in Kemat, all parts of Klai Yisrael, minus Yemeni Jews, the Sifri Torah, in any meaningful way, meaning Psuchas and Stumas, and what's a Shira, what's not a Shira, what's a Kri, what's a Ksiv, are exactly the same. There are a small amount of Malay and Chasers, meaning words that could be spelled out like with above, a longer version or a shorter version, that there, there could be differences in certain Messiahs of Sifri Torah, but Kemat, Kemat, Chutz from the Temer Sifri Torahs that have some real consequential differences from, from our Sefer Torah. And as a grace to Shail and the Paiskim, if me and you could be Yaitzah with Kriya Torah from them, and if they could be Yaitzah vice versa with Kriya Torah from us, because there are actually consequential differences in the Sefer Torah, tells me that it's almost exactly the same. So there's a tremendous emphasis on passing down this Halachal Mishimisina that the Gemara Dharam is referencing, Midar Dar. It was something that was given over with a tremendous claim. Ratka the Kachla, the Gemara in Erevin, the Gemara says that uh, Rabbi Shmuel was a Sefer, uh, not Rabbi Shmuel. Sorry, uh, the mayor, I think, was a cipher. And it says when he, came, when he came to learn in front of Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel told him, B'ni, my son, his arrow, be very careful. Be careful. The malacha you do is, is Hashem's malacha. And if you chas v'shalom, get one word, one, one ice wrong, after machrav, as, 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 as I call it, you could destroy the whole thing. Now, Rashi really gives examples of specific words where if you get them wrong, they could take a change, like Hashem's name or something, so you could really do something shakov. But the chaymer the that was given over in, the, in this Kabbalah, of this Messiah, of Malachom Mishmisinai, of how to phrase and how to spell and how to set up the Sefer Torah was, was on the highest level. And the evidence is the fact that the Torah that Klai Yisrael has, as diverse as we are, as spread out as we are, is almost exactly similar. Now, I just thought it's Kedai to read. There's a, a, a letter from the Rambam about this. It's a, it's a more ridiculous letter from the Rambam about this. I think it's good to share. The, the, the Rambam, now, this, this Rambam, this letter, is not in any of the official Kisvei Rambam. I mean, it's not in, in any of the Rambam's books that he published himself. It's not in collected Igris of the Rambam. So it's, it's um, legend has it that it's the Rambam's letter. Now, I'll just say that there's an early Sefer on Safras from someone called Reb Yomtif uh, Milhausen. Reb Yomtif Milhausen, he was a German Sefer, some rate of some somewhat of a gadol who lived in the era of the 1300s who wrote a kuntras on Safras, and he makes mention of this letter. So it's for a very long time that this is considered to be a, a letter of the Rambam. And Rambam Milhausen's Safras uh, Haaris are quoted in the Rama, in the Maril. They're quoted by by many of the of the greats. So it's an established safer. Now I just want to read you what the Rambam writes in this letter. He says, Ani Maimin. He says, I came to Mitzrayim, the Ramam, uh, for those who traveled a lot in his life, till he got to where he got to. When the Ramam arrives to Mitzrayim, he says, I looked at the secretary that were available to me, and I saw that many of them are not Masudah properly, but the Rashdi, Alatsmi, and I darshaned about myself, about myself, Ace Lasis Lashem. Meaning, he says, the Rambam saying, Ubi talti milimudi. He says, it was a bit tired for me to write a Sefer Torah. I had a lot of other learning to be doing instead of being a Sefer. And I decided that I, I darshan to myself that in a time of crisis, it's Kedai Tim Batal Torah, and I decided to write a Sefer Torah for myself. 
So he says, V'hasefer she'atakti b'menu, the sefer that I chose to be matik from, Hu ha'yidu'a b'mitzrayim, it's a well-known sefer in Mitzrayim. Now, a sefer that he's referring to is a codex. It's, uh, it's called the Keter, in, 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 it's actually very famous, it's called Keter Aram Tzova. It still exists today, it's the, it, it ended up in, in Damascus, Syria, where the name Keter Aram Tzova attached itself to it forever. But the origin of this Tikkun, this Keter, started in Tveria, by, there was uh, two schools of, of um, Bali Maseria, called them. People who, figured, who were very medactic in how to set up the Sefer Torah. One was called Ben Asher, which is the Ben Asher family. The, the, the head of that family, you know, several hundred years before then was Asher. And then there was the family called Ben Naftali. That was uh, Naftali's family of Bali Maseria. Now, Ben Asher is the, is the family whose version of Maseria won out for Klal Yisrael. And there was this Keter, this Tikkun this Kairim, this Keter, this Codex, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that was written based on the Messiah of the Ben Asher family and was edited again and again until it was a perfect representation of the Ben Asher Messiahs of, of, of the Sefer Torah. Now, that ends up migrating from Tveria to Mitzrayim, where at some point it comes into the Rambam's possession. The Rambam owned this Keter Aram Tzova, this, this Codex, that's today called the Aleppo Codex. And about 200 years later, after this letter is written, when the Rambam's family escapes Egypt and moves to Syria, is when the Codex comes with them, with the Rambam's family, to Syria. It ends up getting stashed away in, in a, a, a shul called Bet Yaakov in Syria, in Damascus, where it stays for hundreds of years. And literally throughout the Darius, you could see letters from Gedele Apaiskim from all over the world, writing to the Batedinim in Syria to get an exact, trans, an exact uh, you know, how do you have Parsha, in, in, in the, the Pasuk, in, in the Megillah, Parak Dalad, Pasuk, how do you have, you could see letters throughout the Darius, people writing to it, until, 1947, when the state of Israel is founded, there's a tremendous riot in, in Damascus where I think 75 Jews are killed and many more are injured. And they set fire to the, to the, to, to the shul that has the codex in it. And, and the, the codex is burnt. A rumor goes out that the codex is burnt, it's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Now, some say if it turned out that that was a rumor that was spread by the rabbanim of the community so that no one should come looking for the codex and really burn it. So the codex was really damaged by the fire. We're missing today from Bereshis through by Midbar. And at the end, meaning it's a, it's a book, it's in book form. So the outer bunch of layers got burnt. So we're missing from Bereshis through by Midbar on the front and the Chamish Megillus and some more on the other end. But eventually it gets smuggled into Israel about 10 years later in 1957-ish, give or take. And it ends up in the Israel Museum. It gets moved a few times. And today you could go see it. I saw it. You could see the Aleppo Codex or parts of it the one that are on display in Eretz Israel. So... The Rambam's writing that he looked at this, this Keter Ram Tzova that at his time was in his possession, and he writes, and he copied from there, and he says, uh, he writes, okay, so this thing he says, it's, It's all 24 Svarim, it was in Yerushalayim, he says that this codex was originally in Yerushalayim, and was just edited by the school of Ben Asher, it was never actually written by them, this is something that predates them by hundreds of years. It came to, to me in Mitzrayim, and I copied from there. Here's the, the kicker. He says, When I finished writing my own copy of this codex, I decided to travel from Egypt to Borgonia, which is a part of France, to Burgundy, he says, I asked around and I heard that there's a very ancient Sefer Torah that's in the possession of the Kehillah in Burgundy. And I wanted to go see 
how does my codex hold up to, to their Sefer Torah? So he says, I traveled there. He says, Oh, he says, one second. He says, I heard there's a Sefer Torah, so they can make Saviyad Kachay, Ezra HaKayin HaGadol. From the handwritten Sefer Torah from Ezra HaKayin, which is uh, as authentic as you could get. Ezra, we refer to him as Ezra HaSefer for good reason. Ezra wrote Sefer Torah. And he says, I heard that there's a Sefer Torah there from Ezra HaKayin HaGadol, Saviyad Kachay. He goes, the Ramam says, I go. And he compares and he says, I found I found that everything is an exact mirror of the way that I wrote it over here. Is it over there? I made a personal yamtif for my family. And this is something that we know existed in the Ramam's family for a while. On Chafei L'chaydesh Tishrei. L'chaydesh Ziv is Tishrei, right? Elul Tishrei? It's either Elul Tishrei. Either Elul Tishrei, Chafei Elul Tishrei. The Rambam's family had a special, like their own Simchas Taira, to celebrate the Rambam's completion of this Sefer Torah that was perfectly meduch to Kapi the So what I'm trying to, to, to show from this is not really... this Now, now this Rambam's Sefer Torah we don't have anymore, but the Rambam did write down in, in, in Hilchis uh, Tefillin and Mezuzah, Parak Yudbeis, the Rambam writes down his conclusions from his expedition, and... It's, he starts with Bereshus, and he goes through Shemais, Vayikra, etc. And he, he, you can look through it, he literally writes the Psuchs and Stumas, the Mali and Chassas, he writes his own conclusions. And the Beis Yosef and the Ramah both say to Paskin like this Rambam. Now there is some minor disputes in how to learn certain parts of the Rambam, so there's still obviously Makam from Achleikis. But overall, this Rambam is the conclusive Saif Davar of how a Sefer Torah is supposed to be written. Now the Rambam is blending the traditions of, of the Rishonim from France, the ancient French Rishonim, together with the Svartish Rishonim from from Mitzrayim and from Syria, and together is giving us this product, which is a reflection of both of their Messiahs. So the Messiah that our Sifritariah has is, 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 is amazing. Meaning, and the fact that it was able to stay this way through so many years is an amazing testament to how careful Claudius Yisrael always was with giving over this Messiah. Now, so now that we know how our Chafdal Tzvarim was edited and preserved and kept in such pristine condition throughout the Deiris, so now is where we get to where the Bali Hadiktu come from. So, Diktuk of Lashen Kaidish is, is, is a little different than diktuk of any other language because any other language that's man-made, so the person who makes up the language makes up rules and those who follow him will write with his rules and theirs, as they come from each other, will adhere to the rules that theirs before them set up for their language. So the rules exist before the book exists, so to speak. If I want to write a novel in English, there's a set rules of grammar. I, take, I sit down and I write the novel in English following the grammar rules that exist already for, for, for many hundreds of years. But Hebrew diktuk is the opposite. The book comes first. First we have the, the Torah that was given to us by, by Hashem, by Harsinai with Moshe, and we have the Torah. Now in there is all the chaymer, all the material that one would need to extrapolate all the rules of diktuk. Because obviously the Sefer Torah is written as exactly proper how Lashen Kodesh should be used. So now, once you have a Sefer Torah that is authentic, that's accurate, we have Chaftal Tzvarim, not just Sefer Torah, all the Chaftal Tzvarim, the Kisveh, the whole Tanakh, that's perfectly accurate, that was passed down to Messiah Midar Dar, like we see this Ramam is describing in, in his letter. So now here's where the Bali Dikta could step in and try to draw out their own conclusions from the Sefer Torah to create rules of Dikta. So the assumption is that it's, it's somewhat man-made automatically, meaning there is no rules of Dikta that was given to us by Moshe Ben Sinai. There's Messiah Satayra that was given to us as Allah Moshe Sinai that was adhered to extremely closely. And we see that throughout the Deiris. Now, based on that is where the Medakti can come and start drawing their own conclusions. So now, the earliest to try to do is Rasad Yigayin. 
Sadigain wrote some sort of, uh, of, of uh, you know, a milon, a, a milon, you could call it really, it's, it's words, it's just words. And based on how he says the words is how you know certain rules of diktuk. But now the, 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 the ones who really kicked it off, and these we've seen, we only know them from Rashi, I mean, I speak for myself, most of us only know them from Rashi, is, is Menachem and Donash. Now, let me just talk about them for, 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 for two minutes here. Menachem is, is someone by the name of Menachem ben Sorek. He lived in Spain in the mid-900s. He wrote a sefer, it's the first official diktuk sefer, it's called Machperes Menachem. Machperes Menachem was hundreds of rules of diktuk. He's the one who invented Shrashim, for example. I think we all know that every word has a Sherish. The question is how many letters are a Sherish, but everyone knows the word has a Sherish. So he, he created the concept of Shrashim, and he wrote a diktuk, you know, hundreds of pages of diktuk rules. Now he, being the, the titan and balmadactic that he was, he wrote it all in song form. So it's very hard for people like us to read. But he wrote it in, in, in like an ancient song form. And Menachem writes his, his Sefer of Diktuk that way. Now, Menachem was a patron, was, was, was um, how do you want to call it? He was described, he was patronized by Chizdai ibn Shaprut. Chizdai ibn Shaprut is the, like the Reish Galusa, the head of the community at that time. And there was considered a value in having a scribe who could write accurately, who understood Tanakh, who was able to, to do this. And the... The, the Nasi had, like in his household, he had a hired Balmadaktik. That Balmadaktik that he hired was Menachem. So he had Menachem living there, and Menachem under his, you know, household publishes Nachbaris Menachem. Now arrives on the scene, Donash ben Lavrat. Now Donash ben Lavrat was, was probably a bigger Talmud Chacham than Menachem. He was, some say, uh, from the family of Rav Sad Yigayim. He was like some sort of great, you know, great nephew or cousin or grandson. Unclear exactly how he's related, but he learned in the big yeshivas in Bavel in Iraq under the Ga'inim. He was a, you know, a serious Talmud Chacham. And he came, he moves to Spain, and he comes across to Machbaris Menachem, and he takes offense to about 200 things in there, and he goes on a campaign. Now, the way he goes on the campaign, interestingly, is before he even publishes a sefer to argue on Machbaris Menachem, he campaigns by the Nasi to kick Menachem out, to kick Menachem out, of the, out of the community, to get rid of him. And his proofs are, he says that based on certain ways that Menachem is taiching words, he's obviously a karoi, which was something that was rampant at those times. He's obviously a karoi, and we need to be very careful about him and get rid of him. Now the Nasi, Chizdai ibn Shaprut, buys into this narrative so wholeheartedly that he sends his guards, I'm going to assume they were Goyim, on Shabbos to, to kick Menachem out of the community. And in the fervor of the moment, they, they torch his house on Shabbos and kick him out of the community. So, very, very, with a, with a great finality, they kicked him out of the community. Menachem writes, and we have these, because he, he published them later, Menachem writes letters back to Chastel Ibn Shavuot, begging to be allowed back in, and saying, you never gave me a chance to defend myself, I didn't do anything wrong, and the, the Chastel writes back to him in literally four lines, cryptically, he says, if you're wrong, then you deserve it, and if you're right, I gave you Elam Habda. That's it. I don't want to hear from you anymore. That's his, uh, his response. In rhyme, obviously. In rhyme, in four lines. Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong. I'm done with you. Now, Donash takes over the, the steller of medactic in the court of Chizdai ibn Shaprot. And he publishes his own sefer, which is not exactly a dictic sefer, but it's also a dictic sefer. And, and uh, that's the last we hear of Menachem. Menachem keeps writing letters to different people and trying to get back into the good graces of some you know, people who could help him you know, advance his career, but nothing ever comes of it. Now, we know that Rashi quotes Menachem and Donash, I think without preference, where Rashi 
likes some of what they say and argues in some of what they say equally. So Rashi clearly held both of them were okay. But Ram Ibn Ezra later on, later on puts out a safer in defense of Menachem to, to, to save him from Donash's attacks. And Rabbeinu Tam, who was probably the last like Baal Diktuk in Ashkenaz until much later on, puts out a sefer called Sefer Machria to defend uh, Menachem's Diktuk. And Menachem and Donash are both the, the original, the, the founding fathers of, of, of Diktuk for, for, for Jewish Diktuk. Now, in our circles, you know, in Ashkenaz, Diktuk goes through kind of like a, a long, dark winter, and you don't really hear about it again for hundreds and hundreds of years. Until, uh, you know, until the maskilim come and, and it becomes a very popular topic again. But in Svarad, where they wrote songs and there was, um, you know, there was much more of an emphasis on poetry, etc. You see it a lot throughout the Deiris and, and all, any Talmud Chacham Gadol who was worth his salt was a shtikl medaktik. He knew how to be medaktik. So now, this is where, this is the, the, the basic, you know, the, where it comes from, what it's based on. So now, yes, it definitely was based on Tanakh and it's very chashiv. And, and its rules are all predicated on, on a good Havana of Tanakh, but there was always room for, you know, for, for a Baldavar to be chalik and say that, you know, Diktuk's not, not that important. It's not something that should be, that should be, um, it should be, uh, you know, changing our tefillahs. Now, I'll just, I'm interesting, this is something that a lot of, a lot of you know, people are very pro to quote, and it's a little bit of a mistake. This Gemara in the Dharam that I read you earlier, that says this whole, this whole, this halacha which we've seen, had a in the Pasuk, so there's really the Yushalmi, in Megillah has a slightly different version of the drush. And the Yishalmi says as follows. It says, Minayin l'targum, Rav Ziiru b'shem Rav Chanano, he dashed into the same Pasuk. It says, Vayikro b'sefer teres alikim, Vayikro b'sefer zeh mikra, Mephorish zeh targum, V'shom sachel elo ataimim, V'yevinu elo maseris. And based on this, and based on this, the Rambam says it did, the Rambam Paskins, that he says, says that if someone reads an maybe make him go back and read it bidiktuk. And he brings the makar from this Yushalmi. So there are always those who said that the Ram is talking about diktuk, the way we talk about it. But, but the truth is the Ram is talking about bidiktuk achad, meaning the Gemara and Yandaram that we read with Mesiris and with Trap. And bidiktuk means in the proper manner, not the word bidiktuk, but. It's, it's something that they always pointed at. Now, so 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 this is what we have for the makar of it. So now, so now let's come to our Anlarai. So so our Shaila was should a, should Sidurim be changed based on the rules of Diktuk? So now there there is a letter from the Balatanya where the Balatanya writes that the he says not the Arizal and not the Besht and not my Rebbe the Mizuchim Magid Nulash and Kaidish with full Diktuk. Now and and the assumption is he's not saying it as a knock on them. Baltani doesn't mean it as an akadem. He means it like, like, don't bother me. Like my, my icons, my heroes, didn't really know diktuk, and, and, and it can't be that important if, if the Arizal and the Balshamtiv didn't know. Is what the Baltani is saying essentially. Now there's a, a tshuva from the Chida in Yosef Eimetz where the Chida writes about changing diktuk and tefillah, and he has a where it is? oh here he has a a, a whole maracha. I don't know. Where it is. He has a whole maracha about, about uh, changing diktuk and tefillah. And, and he ends off, I just want to read you his ending. He ends off with like a, a good line. I don't know where I put it, but okay, somewhere. He ends off, he says, it's, it's, uh, we live in a dar today, he says, who assumes that they know everything better than everyone who came before them. And the we're looking to, to 
you know, fix everything that we think they didn't understand, their, fix their ignorance and to, and to fix it. And he says, and halavai, we should know who we are and accept who they were and stop trying to fix everything that they made. That's what the Chida writes. Now, of course the Chida is masking that when there are gross inaccuracies, when something is pushing a mistake that came in from a printer, came from something, of course one should change it if you understand that it's wrong with the rules of dicta. But the Chida is referring to is, you know, old Nuschayis, that we have accurate, authentic old Nuschayis, and we kiss Fayyad, and we shine them, we're going them, etc. That later on discoveries, you know, later on rules, invented rules of dicta, suggest are not accurate. That's what the Chida is referring to when he says to just leave it alone. There's a, a tshuva, there's a, a, a bakanta machlekes between the Ramah and the Marshal. The Ramah writes to the Marshal about something, and in his, in his letter, it's in Tshuva Vav, in the, in the Tshuva, in Shut Ramah, he, he says something from, from Aristotle, he quotes something from Aristotle. And the, the Marshal writes him back, extremely upset about his using, you know, the Greek, the, the, Greek, the, the Greek ancients, he shouldn't be talking about them, nothing to say, it's philosophy, stay away from it. And then, like, almost like nitpicking on the Ramah, the Marshal continues and he says, you'd be better off spending your extra time that you obviously have, because you're learning philosophy, learning diktuk. Because I read your letter, and it's full of inaccuracies, and it doesn't have proper diktuk. That, that's what the Marshal writes it. And the Ramah, in his letter back, in Tshuva Zayin, the Ramah says, you know, he addresses each one of the points of the Marshal piece by piece, and he says, with, uh, in regards to Diktuk, first of all, the Lashayness that you're taking offense to, I'm borrowing from Sukkim, and second of all, I'm focusing on conveying my point, I'm not focusing on proper Diktuk, Atu is my letter, I say for Torah, that you're being money me that I have to have Diktuk, and he says, I'm not, not going to be a Balgai, but something I don't have, I don't claim to know Diktuk. He says, Miyamai, I never learned it, I don't know it. I know what I know from learning Psukim and, and, and that, so that's what the Ramah writes. Now again, if the Ramah writes, I don't know and I don't care. So again, that's something you have to assume means, you know, not so much there's a truth from the Nehdi Behuda. The Nehdi Behuda as well writes, someone writes to Shailah that I heard you're a grace of Tamil Chacham, so I want to write you a Shailah to understand if we should change something in the Tefillah based on Diktuk. The Nehdi Behuda writes, Diktuk is not part of Tamil Chacham, I don't know it, but for this you don't even need the Tamil Chacham. And he goes and says, you know, what, what could be fixed. So, so you, you constantly find this refrain amongst, you know, some of the, the greatest Gainan that they weren't so, so blown away by the need to, to address old Kisuyadis and old Nuschayis based on, on, you know, available diktuk findings. Now, now I'll, just, uh, I'll just end, I'll, let me just wrap it up with this. There's, there's a, a, a Chavasyar where someone writes to the Chavasyar to ask him, what should my Seder Halimud be? And the Chavasyar writes him a tshuva to give him like a, like there was no yeshivas in his time, and he wanted to know like, what should I learn so that I could, so that I could uh, grow? And the Chavzir writes him back, you know, a list of, of limudim that he should learn, and in it, he addresses the, the need to learn diktuk, and he says as follows, he says, miyuta yafa, a little bit of his good, you have to know a little bit just to know what you're reading, to know what you're writing, a little bit you need to need to know. To waste your days with all these grace of binyanim, with all the rules that the medakim mentioned, is unnecessary. He says, <coughs> and he continues. In the Gemara, the Gemara in Bracha says, you should hold back your children in a higayin, which Rashi teaches means mikra. Don't learn too much chumash with your kids, which everyone jumps on Rashi and says, well, not know chumash, how could it be? What are you talking about? And, you know, a lot of ink has been spilled to explain what Rashi means. It says the Chavaziyar, there are those who learn that when you're and Zaka and the Gemara and Bracha says, don't 
don't learn too much higayin, mikra higayin, it means this. All these rules that, that crop out of the, of the mikra, to create rules of diktik, all these man-made rules, don't, don't learn too many of them. So now, so, and, and there's many more, the, the Yaakov Emden, for example, has a tshuva where someone asked him if you could learn diktik in the bathroom. If you have time in the bathroom, could you think about diktik in the bathroom? You know, they didn't have uh, iPhones, I guess, yet. Then, you know, could you think about diktik in the bathroom to keep busy? Yaakov Emden writes that you can't, but not because it's terror. It's not terror. Diktik's chachma. It's not terror. Diktik's a skill. It's a fach. It's not Torah, but why can't you think of it in the bathroom? He says, because the only way to accurately think about the Fach of Diktuk, the Chachm of Diktuk, is to compare and contrast Psukim. He says, so ultimately, the only thing that's going to be possible is you're going to end up sitting there, oh, Mulra, Mulel, oh, Zacharya, Malachai, Halavai, Funz, Gizak. And you're going to be sitting and comparing and contrasting you know, different Psukim from all over Navi to draw conclusions about Diktuk, so that you can't do in the bathroom. He says, you shouldn't do it in the bathroom. That's what he says. And he brings a Raya. He says that the Ramban writes somewhere that when he was in the bathroom, he used to learn. He would learn like math books in the bathroom. The Ramban writes it himself. He says, is it not mistaver to you that if, there, if you would be allowed to learn diktik in the bathroom, wouldn't the Ramban, the Ramban have preferred to learn diktik over math? Diktik is tangentially related to Torah. You know, it's, it's going to help you with Torah. For sure the Ramban wouldn't have learned math. If you could have learned diktik, Elamai, you can't learn diktik in the bathroom because you're going to mention something. That's like the, the Yavitz's binion. But the subtext over there is even though the Yavitz was a, was a big promoter of diktik and his Siddur is full of corrections in diktik, held that on the whole, a lot of the rules and a lot of the, the tanaim and conditions of diktuk are not, you know, super, super important. And Mela, old Nuschayis and old Kisviyavis and Tfilah that we have are not always meant to be tampered with, with, uh, with, uh, with you know, rules of diktuk. And this is the, the closing argument that the Mashavurach Merit HaGeshem camp makes, is that even though, even if you're right about everything, and even if I was wrong about everything I said until now, and the diktuk rules totally dictate that it should be Mashavurach Merit HaGashem, so what? So what? There's old Sidorim from Rishonim and Goenim and Anachronim who, who didn't know these rules and davened with this for hundreds of years and you know what? Just leave it at, leave it how they did it. Halavai, we should know the kavanas and the impressions that they meant to put into that tefillah and not tamper and change it with, with our rules of diktuk is, is the closing argument of that sefer. And these are the, the, some of the riots that did that. Now, Ritzchem will continue with uh, the influence that the uh, Mekubalim and the Hasidim had on tefillah.